0: Have you ever heard of the phrase sharp-elbowed parents? No, I hadn't either until about two hours ago. But it was brought to my attention this morning when I was taking a look through the week's papers with David Niven. He's the former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers and a man of many hats, a fellow podcaster as well at that. I felt with so many natural synergies and connections, it'd be a great time for us to get together and meet and do a paper review for us here at Freelance Bristol Mum.
1: Well, this was David Laws, the schools minister. And he was talking about how children achieve and how they don't achieve and um, what he reckoned were helpful things. And he started talking about this phrase, sharp-elbowed parents. In other words, the ones that would virtually do anything to help their children attain um, good results. Mm -hmm. And he was saying things like... uh, to do all you can to help your children to succeed in life is exactly what we want everybody to be doing. Well, that's fair enough. Mm. But he then went on to talk about sharp-elbowed parents are admirable role models fighting for their children's interests. And he said the sharp-elbowed middle classes dominate the system and school places and that any other complaints like that were misplaced. He said pushy parents and those willing to pay for private schooling were well worth emulating. (laughs) and i thought well you know uh, but you said then people sometimes complain about these parents and people that seek to invest a huge amount of money to give their young people opportunities but we shouldn't complain about any parent who's doing these things well that's fine up to a point i mm-hmm. think but i mean for goodness sake you never acknowledge the fact that loads of parents actually go over the top and loads of parents uh, which we've come across lots actually almost um, well, they 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 sweep the ground from under the confidence of the uh, of their children. They they take away a lot if they don't actually achieve. They they're the almost like punishment, mm. and therefore the self worth of children becomes uh, undermined. And and I think at the end there's got to be a balance. So when you've got somebody in authority like him, actually saying this is the only way. I think that's um, well. It's just wrong, and, and and in effect, at the end of the day, it just sort of undermines a lot of things that that you want. You want children to achieve, but you don't want people, children, to be wrung out, exhausted, and humiliated.
0: It's a really interesting point that you raise, actually, and I know of a couple who. Um, recently their son failed the 11 plus and the mother is most definitely a sharp word mother and is 100% blaming the father for the fact that the 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 couple i hasten to add have now separated but still very involved obviously both in the parenting and um the poor child is obviously the person that you think of throughout all of this and is in my mind getting a very mixed message because i think that failure or not necessarily succeeding where you want to is a big part of life. Um, And, you know, not necessarily getting the grades and that whole pick yourself up and dust yourself down and flourishing in different ways is so important. And it's almost like we're overlooking this. Is this about what we're doing for the child or is this about what parents can say and put in their boasting books?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, Probably a bit of both, actually, and I think that's where if you don't have both sides of it and you don't have a kind of an addendum, if you like, to this, where you say, look, try your hardest, and if you don't succeed, and and you can be seen to have tried your hardest, Mm. then we'll try something else, Mm. or then we'll we'll build your strengths. Mm. And then if you aren't a particularly great academic, then we'll find you great things that you are good at. Mm -hmm. You might be creative, you might be whatever. You know, the, the world needs variety. You know, we're not all clones and as long as people are loved and respected and cared for and valued then at the end of the day all we all we really need to 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 care about is um stopping ministers like this spouting <laughs> rubbish
0: and the interesting well, thing is he's actually actively encouraging more parents to behave like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's nothing to do with the children at all. No, No.
1: this is is to do with, as you said, the idea of um, putting ticks on your CV or putting ticks on your kind of Mm. posting books. Mm. Mm.
0: Now, your second story is one that actually caught my eye earlier this week for many reasons, not least because um, I'm a pregnant woman myself. And this is bringing into question the possibility that they might try and ban pregnant women drinking altogether. Go into the story on this
1: one, please. Well, I mean, this is a bit bit extreme than just having having a drink. I mean, mean, this this is a a case where uh, a child who's now six is being... who's in care because um, they're they're no no longer in contact with the mother. And the child has actually um, suffered developmental problems through fetal alcohol um, syndrome because the mother continued to drink very, very heavily against all advice, against every effort to try and stop her during the pregnancy. And permission's been given for the court to hear the allegations that the mother ignored all the warnings from antenatal medical staff and social workers about the consumption of alcohol, and so essentially has damaged the child, and therefore the compensation from the um, criminal injuries compensation board has been has been granted that an application can be made. And that's this is a real groundbreaking piece of of legal application. Um, I, I've never heard of this happening before. But we all know that we always try and encourage people not to drink heavily during pregnancy mm-hmm. because just like smoking during pregnancy, it actually affects the fetus. Mm. Um, and we've, but we've never had this kind of application on behalf of um, the child mm. up to date. And I think it's a pretty, well, it's not only an interesting story, but it, it could be quite a, a, a groundbreaking piece of law.
0: Do you think that it'll come off? Do you think this will be the first of many we'll see?
1: I don't know, um, because um, the local authority won its claim in the initial hearing, mm. but it lost it later at the upper and an upper tribunal on the grounds that an unborn child is not a person in law, <laughs> and therefore no criminal offence could have been committed. Mm. And so I think we're we're looking really here at the edges of of law Um, there's a wide-ranging debate here. And um, not only here, but United States and some United States um, states in the US, they've actually made it a criminal offence now. And so, again, across... To drink when pregnant. Well, uh, you know, to drink excessively during pregnancy. I mean, okay, you define excessive. Mm. But um, it just shows you that, again, here we are within the Western industrialised world with a whole variety of different judgments on a, on a particular piece of activity and also, again, to do with unborn children. There's always a variety of legal um, arguments to, to do with unborn children that aren't universal.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and what are they hoping to achieve at the end of this, to uh, some form of compensation or...?
1: Well, compensation for the child because mm-hmm. the child, although it didn't go into too much detail, said so had developmental delay uh, and therefore was kind of in some way impaired um, in terms of its its, its abilities and functioning. But on the other hand, I would love to see, I don't mean that badly, but just intellectually how this pans out if the case is won, because then you'd have all sorts of things like define too much drinking, Mm. define whatever. And I guess it comes down again to medics and others making assessments.
0: It's funny because the way that it was pitched, and admittedly it was just through social media that I saw the story, it was, you know, this is a groundbreaking story, and um, could, could women, pregnant women, be banned from drinking altogether? Which obviously immediately got my goat. And I think the problem is speaking on a personal level as soon as you say you cannot have something you instantly want it but you know i hasten to have had the odd glass of wine throughout this pregnancy and that is it but it, there's a, a real huge difference between you know an odd glass of wine and drinking excessively on a daily basis and as you say and how do you how do you police that anyway how do we make a difference?
1: Well, I mean, exactly. It's what goes on sometimes in the privacy of people's own homes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd have to have a state where you had cameras and goodness knows what Mm -hmm. else in there. But I think we all know, though, and I've come across many times in my career – uh, mothers who have been unable to control the addiction, mm. uh, mothers who have been unable to stop maybe one or two bottles of vodka a day, or, or, or you know we're talking real excess here. Mm. We're not talking a glass of wine or a couple mm. of glasses of wine. That I, I'd be very very surprised if there was many people that thought that was dangerous. Mm. I, I think what we're talking about is heavy consumption. Mm and um you know to be quite frank i mean I, i'm no medic but i've always been convinced of the idea that that level of consumption just like somebody smoking 40 cigarettes a day while they're pregnant must have an effect does have an effect mm. it's been measured it's been shown
0: mm. it's a no-brainer isn't mm. it? yeah absolutely a really interesting one there Um i quite like this as well and again it's it's um health. In fact, it's quite nice because it's fa- it's fathers that we're talking about here. <laughs> mm. And often we hear that, you know, fathers, you know, Charlie Chaplin had numerous <laughs> children at whatever age it was and so on and so on. But this research is sort of saying that, well, yeah, you can keep sowing your seeds, but watch out a bit really, isn't it, chaps?
1: Yes. Um, I mean, I don't know what the implications in this are going to be, because this is in Sweden, where they actually have um, done a 30-year study from 1973 to 2001, on uh, 2.6 million babies. And they've uh, shown all sorts of really sort of interesting statistics that um, the age, for the age of the father when the child was born or conceived, um, if the child was, 40, if the father, sorry, was 45 years or older, there's a marked increase of autism, attention deficit disorder, bipolar disorder. Uh, substance abuse and low academic achievement. Gosh.
0: But that's interesting because we're looking there at both physical disorders and cultural things, mm. aren't we? You know? mm. And I wonder how much that is to do with um a father's level of interest. I don't know. There's so many other things oh, you need to take Lord, into place. I,
1: please don't. I don't I well I would imagine they would say, For goodness sake, don't take it absolutely mm. because you'd have the things like children within the same family mm-hmm. you know who 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 may have been born years apart and therefore the father had different I was a different age but they may have had different problems as mm-hmm. well but I think it's interesting in terms of because it went on and I haven't got the information with me but it went on to talk about the actual medical situation as well if you like the uh, the physiological impact in terms of the um, the condition of sperm and, and how that is actually affected by the age of the father and so forth and how that particularly might affect the actual the actual conceiving of the child and, and the um, what's passed on.
0: It's funny because I, I think that now women are almost chastised for being older mums. Mm. And yet I've always been a big believer in, well, if you haven't met the right person, then how on earth it just wouldn't be sensible to, you know, more have children mm. too young. You've got to wait until it's the right point in your life. But... We never look into the father and the father's age, and we never hear the flip side to that. It's always the celebrity father who's had another baby at whatever age, and so to actually hear that it does have a, it does have ramifications is intriguing. But quite what we then do with that information is a, is another well, thing.
1: I mean, you could argue. I mean, there's Simon Cowell at fifty four mm. having a baby. Uh, no, mm. I mean and. I suppose all the jokes about wearing sort of high-waisted nappies and stuff like that would all be sort of come into it. But, I mean, I, I, I think, yes, you're right. A lot of people are having... I mean, there are, as you said, some very prominent film stars and stuff aged sort of 70 or 75, actually, fathering children now mm-hmm. as well. And it would be um, interesting to see if other studies, apart from the Swedish one, can, can back up some of the data that's been collected. So
0: as a father of a 25-year-old daughter now, I have to ask you, could you bear starting again?
1: No. No, simple well, as that. No, I'd, I would, I would, I would, well, no. I'd, I, I think you've got to be... There's all sorts of things to do with energy, and to do yeah. with ability to to play and 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 run around and do all sorts of things. I mean, I I'd be happy to do it if it happened. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. but if it if it would, I could. But um, I suppose grandchildren are the next thing you think about, yeah. and um, you want to be able to be fit and active for them. and there's another story for you in the future: the the increase in grandparents looking after children mm. now i think that's become a massive um growth industry if you like within in the west mm. um but no I, I mean if it happened it happened you you take life as it comes mm. but i'm not sure i wouldn't choose it. no
0: to go back to the simon cowell comment and actually it brings me on to something that uh, i was going to drop in later i find it very intriguing simon cowell the way the whole um media obviously has been spun and he's a big person in himself. You'd almost forget or not know that there'd been a mother in the equation. It is all about Simon Cowell's um, son. And, you know, he's going to be there, his doting father, lots of photographs of him looking very much in love with his newborn. However, he goes on to say that he absolutely refuses to change a nappy. And in my mind, that is every inch a part of being a parent, you know, and spending that time with your child. And, yeah, you have to get your hands dirty, but it is that one-on-one time. I mean, how do you, both personally and professionally, what what does that say to you?
1: It says to me that um, I think probably the child would be the loser. Mm. If you live in a celebrity bubble, I I mean let's be honest here, I wonder even if the mother will change a nappy here
0: Mm.
1: because they'll be surrounded by staff or nannies and whatever the the money can buy. Um, I'd be disappointed if there wasn't that sort of personal contact from a parent It doesn't surprise me that Simon Cowell would say that. He might even be kind of um, exaggerating just for the sake of the press because he loves to actually wind people up mm-hmm. and uh, cause a celebrity, you know, cause a of celebrity moment. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, I, I just, celebrities have been that since time immemorial. You get into this bubble where you think you're on a different planet sometimes, and everything's always done for you. Mm-hmm. And whilst everything's always done for you, you forget reality.
0: Yeah, so welcome to the bonkers world. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Okay, our final story for today, um, childhood obesity. This is intriguing.
1: Yeah, the Daily Mirror came out the other day with this story that said um, 74 children have been taken into care because they're obese. Well, mm, not quite true. Mm. I mean, a little bit of a kind of red-top exaggeration I think we've got there. Um, what What actually is the situation is that there are increasingly numbers of children who are uh, morbidly obese, who are uh, at great risk to their health. And if it is not a medical condition, as a, sort of a pre ordained, if you like, genetic condition, and it's something that could have been prevented, then in my mind, it's um, a parental matter. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like saying to your child, here, at age 10 have a packet of cigarettes or go and play in the middle of the motorway you know or whatever is it's unacceptable as a risk to you know to a child you're actually putting the child's health at risk now it wouldn't just be that there would probably have to be lots of other matters too and also to be fair when i was in practice some of the most difficult cases that i had to deal with were those that i would call neglect by omission in which maybe the, the more common term for it is where love is not enough. Mm. In which you had a parent that just didn't know how to be a parent. Mm. You know, who, either they hadn't any modelling themselves when they were young from their parents or they just had perhaps some difficulties, learning difficulties or whatever and they, they couldn't grasp it. You know the story. I mean, it would be all sorts of things we come across like, you know, thin summer clothes in the middle of winter or a bad, terrible diet, uh, no nutrition, or a failure to to take the child for the regular health checks for ears, for um, eye checks, Um, they wouldn't get their inoculations done because the parent would either forget or not realise how important it was, Mm -hmm. and the whole, and the child would arrive at school starving, no breakfast, you know, but not deliberately. The, the parent loved the child, but there was just no understanding of being a parent. And the same would therefore go with some who, whose children become morbidly obese because the parent would just feed them, feed them, feed them, feed them junk food all the time. And that child really was being placed at risk. And so when you get sensationalist headlines that the Daily Mirror had saying 74 children taken into care by social services for being obese... You know, as, as if it was some kind of um, ridiculous kind of um, East European state mm-hmm. kind of taking things over. Mm-hmm. It really scares people, mm. whereas it's not the case at all. It's, it's a combination of factors in a very sad situation. Mm.
0: And what do you think can be done there? I mean, like you say, there is a sad fact that there are parents out there who weren't parented themselves. They didn't have the good role models and therefore they're really, it's hard for them to be a parent because they don't know. Are there parenting courses? Can people step in before it um, gets too far?
1: Yes. Well, of course. I mean, this, this, the, the, the child in a situation like that, um, the local authority or the, or the authorities would only step in after everything else was tried, unless there was immediate danger, you know. You, you, I mean, in some families, you walk into the house and there you are, there's bare wires hanging off the wall, there's dog's mess everywhere that the child's playing with. Uh, or, uh, you, you know, you, you find situations like that where you, you think, my God, I've got to, got to somehow or other just get the child out of this. But that's very rare. I mean, what you do is you try parenting parenting classes or you put people into the house um, to, to sort of put their arms around the parents and show them what to do. You, you find houses where there's big lists up on the fridge that says, do this, do mm-hmm. that, do this, do that. Uh, just to remind people of sequence of events, when to feed, when to give medicine, all these different things, how to change nappies, whatever it turns out. And on and on that goes. You know, the community, lots of community groups and lots of charities operate um, modelling parent-parental modelling situations. But if all fails and there's no real movement and there's no real help being demonstrated and the parent isn't absorbing it even though they love the child then you've got to think about the future of the child Mm. and um, that's the most sad situation.
0: Mm. And what happens after care? I mean presumably are they then returned to their parent? Is the parent in the meanwhile given you know this extra help, this extra education?
1: Well uh, like i said even whether it's with the child in care mm-hmm. or the child being worked with the family being worked with before that happened it all depends on what the what the parent can absorb mm-hmm. you know if the parent can learn that's terrific that's what you want if the parent can't learn no matter what mm-hmm. and e- even when they're on their own um if they can't learn It might be the child's fostered and the parent actually is allowed to sort of work with the foster family to look at what they think is the best model for parenting a child. But at the end of the day, there are just some people who, sadly, through almost no fault of their own, aren't capable of having the capacity to properly parent.
0: It's ironic, isn't it, really, that we started today by chatting about sharp elbowed parents and how this is being actively encouraged by one minister and then we're ending on the story of some parents who weren't parented themselves and so you know they're really on the back foot to start with how how can we be in this culture how can we be in this society how can these two ends exist
1: well if you look at the figures it's 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 we're any day in england uh, and today, there are between thirty and 40,000 children who are the subject of at-risk plans who are considered to be at risk from the, the, the adults they live with. Any day.
0: Hmm. Now, you, David, you obviously keep yourself incredibly busy and I know that you've got on that note. You're organising... Now, I hope I'm going to get this title right.
1: It's a conference... Um, called This Is My Childhood, Right. There Will Be No Other, which is just the first line of a poem that one of the people wrote. Um, but it's it was stimulated by uh, the UNICEF uh, initiative on the first 1001 days of a child's life from conception up to about age two. And uh, it was launched in Parliament and there was an all-party parliamentary group set up on this and um, senior people from UNICEF came across from New York to launch this. Um, And Dame Tessa Jowell took a lead on this. Uh, She had a lead on on these kind of matters anyway in Parliament. Um, And um, it was really to look at almost things like the dangers to children from things such as what's called in shorthand, the toxic trio, which is domestic violence, substance abuse, and uh, mental health matters within adults in families where there are very young children, and the impact of this this kind of trauma on these children and how to work with children of that age where these things exist. and so we thought we'd recreate that in Bristol and have a conference on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dame Tessa Jowell agreed to come and be the keynote speaker. Brilliant. Um, and so, and we've got some fabulous other speakers as well, mm-hmm. who are all experts in 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 parenting matters or in you know wider family matters. And so that's going on on the fourth of April at Ashton Court.
0: Brilliant. And is this open to anyone, or is it professionals only? Or? Oh, it's
1: open to anybody. I mean, unfortunately, we have to make a charge, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, we try to keep it as modestly uh, as modest as we can.
0: And if people want to find out more about it, what can they do?
1: Well, um, we're we're doing it in conjunction with an organisation called. <laughs> with, with, okay. They won't love me for this, but one of the most difficult names to remember <laughs> called BASPSCAN, which is the British Agencies for the Study and Prevention of Child Abuse and Neglect.
0: Well remembered.
1: Thank you. <laughs> uh, and my company. And um, it, you can find it on our website, if you like, which is uh, uh, but my podcasting website, which is what I'm transferring everything to, mm-hmm. which is um, the so- it's socialworldpodcast.com
0: socialworldpodcast.com and go on this is this is your chance tell us your bit um, great to speak from one fellow bro- a podcaster to another um, you know mm. w- what do you talk about how to get chatting
1: do you know everything and anything I'm. I, it's like being a little boy in a sweet shop <laughs> um, the opportunity to do things and talk to people and interview people that I've always wanted to mm. the opportunity to do it not restricted by um, a little bit of geography, sometimes possibly like um, broadcasters are, you know, in in the region Mm -hmm. uh, um, and talk to people internationally or, you know, far away. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of my background in social work, a lot of it's geared to people and issues to do with social work, which, of course, is such a broad church. But on the other hand, I called it the Social World Podcast to give myself a bit of elbow room mm-hmm. and talk to several other people. And I had a lovely interview that I did. Um, in fact, I I got my niece to do uh, live from the Maasai Mara in Kenya. Uh, uh, I was a tour guide there because I was talking about the disappearing communities. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, she's terrific. She she's at the moment. I shouldn't say this, but she's. On her way into Burma via China to do some filming mm. and, um, you know, hopefully getting me some interviews there as well. Mm. But at, at the end of the day, it gives you such a broad opportunity and I hope um, good listening.
0: Mm. Well, David, it's been cracking listening this morning and really nice talking to you. And I'm sure it'll be the first of lots to come.
1: And you, Faith, thanks.
0: And don't forget, if you'd like to check out David's podcast, it's Short World Podcast. Or likewise, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you've got any ideas that we should be covering, please do get in contact. You can drop me a line, hello at freelancebristalmum.co.uk.